You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into the Locked On SEC Podcast. It is officially SEC Game Weekend. Hopefully you guys are listening to this on your Friday evening or Saturday morning, getting ready for kickoff of what is a full day of SEC football games. Today on the show, Peter Burns of the SEC Network is going to join us. We'll do some over-unders for the SEC this season and get his thoughts on who should be on upset alert here in Week 1. We'll also talk with Andrew Bone, covers Alabama recruiting, Bama Insider, and we'll talk some SEC with him as he has a new book out. So excited to talk with Andrew Bone and... We will make our predictions for all the SEC games this weekend with our matchup breakdowns. I am Chris Gordy. Please remember to subscribe to our podcast if you have not done so. We are here five days a week talking all things SEC football and happy to have you guys along for the ride. Let's jump right into it. Let's do our week one matchup breakdowns. Matchup breakdowns. All right, we start with the first game on ESPN tomorrow. Florida at at Ole Miss. 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern. Kyle Trask will be the difference maker in this one. He has got Kyle Pitts back, Trevon Grimes, Jacob Copeland, Kadarius Toney, and don't forget they added the transfer Justin Shorter. I just don't see this Dan Mullen offense having an issue with the Ole Miss defense. That said, I think Ole Miss is going to score some points. Lane Kiffin is going to throw some crazy things out there. I think you see both quarterbacks in Matt Corral and John Rice Plumley. Uh, Jerry and Ely, a very underrated runner. I think we get ourselves a shootout, but I think Florida pulls away late. 38-24 Florida, just over the betting line of 13 and a half. Number 23, Kentucky at number 8, Auburn. 11 a.m. Central, 12 p.m. Eastern. A lot of talk about year two of Bo Nix at Auburn. Nobody is talking about the senior year of Terry Wilson. Terry was humming along last season. Before he got hurt, was pretty good the year prior as the full-time starter. I think he has gotten better as a passer. He's one of the best O-lines in the country and some dynamic running backs. But when the reigning SEC freshman of the year brings back his three leading receivers, I've got to lean Bo Nix. There are questions on that O-line, certainly, for Auburn. There are questions on the backfield. Is DJ Williams the guy? But last I checked, Kentucky doesn't have Josh Allen. They don't have Cash Daniel. There's a lot of green on that defense. I think this one is close, but I like Auburn to survive at home 31-24. Eastern game on CBS. Mississippi State at number 6 LSU. I have no idea what to expect from KJ Costello and the Mike Leach offense in Week 1 with the Bulldogs. We do know they're going to throw it a ton. But don't forget who is in that backfield. Kylan Hill, one of the best running backs in the SEC, if not the country. If Mike Leach is smart, he tries to be more balanced in year one in Starkville. But I think that air raid attack, he's too obsessed with it. I think the LSU defense forces Costello to make some mistakes. I know LSU has lost a lot, but they also have a lot of guys with experience. Derek Stingley Jr., the best corner in the country. Cordell Flott, Jacoby Stevens. They will make Leach pay. And I think offensively, Miles Brennan makes some throws that... Maybe Joe Burrow-esque. Not saying he'll be Joe Burrow, but Terrace Marshall, Racy McMath, some good receiving options. And do not forget their big-time recruit, that stud tight end Eric Gilbert coming in. I think he has a big day on Saturday. LSU wins 41-27 to in Baton Rouge. Number four, Georgia at Arkansas, 3 p.m. Central, 4 p.m. Eastern. Sam Pittman 
He knows this Georgia team pretty well. Don't forget that aspect. But this Arkansas team is just limited with talent. They don't have the horses that Georgia does. I think the veteran quarterback, Felipe Franks, has a few good moments in this game. I think Rakeem Boyd breaks off a couple of big runs. And as of now, it appears DeWan Mathis will be your starting quarterback for Georgia. He will make a mistake or two, but rely on that backfield. Kirby, Zamir White, James Cook. I think DeWan Mathis makes some easy throws to George Pickens. I think Georgia leans heavily on their defense, though. They're favored by 27.5. I don't think they cover that. Give me Georgia over Arkansas, 30-17. to 17. Kind of an ugly, lower-scoring game, but Georgia never in doubt. Number two, Alabama at Mizzou, 6 p.m. Central, 7 p.m. Eastern. Look, the revenge tour for Alabama begins. They are on a mission. This this betting line cannot be high enough for me. It's Bama by 27.5. I say Bama by way more than that. Mac Wilson will be throwing darts to Devontae Smith, Jalen Waddell. Najee Harris will be running wild. By the fourth quarter, Bryce Young will be in the game for Alabama at quarterback because Mac Wilson will be sitting back with his legs propped up, sipping on a Gatorade on the bench. Alabama... Welcome, Eliad Drinkowitz, to the SEC with a 56-3 romping in Columbia. Look, I think Missouri's going to be better. I just think they got the short end of the stick drawing Alabama in week one. They are coming out raging. Vanderbilt at number 10, Texas A&M, 6.30 Central, 7.30 Eastern. A&M is a 31-point favorite. I think that's a fair number. Jimbo Fisher, I'd like to see him a little bit more balanced this year. Great running attack with Isaiah Spiller. Kellen Mond is your veteran passer. I think they put the foot on the gas pedal and don't light up. I think the Vandy offense has a tough day with their new room of quarterbacks. Reports say Ken Seals will get the start. I think Aggies win big, 45-10, to 10, and they cover that big number. Number 16, Tennessee at South Carolina, 630 Central, 730 Eastern. This is my game of the week. And I don't want to give it away. I will break it down later in the podcast, but I'll just say this. I do think it is close just like Vegas is projecting. They say Tennessee minus three and a half. Man, if I'm, if I'm putting some money on this game, I may lean Gamecocks just to cover that three and a half. It's a field goal game. Tennessee by a field goal late. You'll hear my breakdown with Andrew Bone a little bit later in the podcast. All right, that is our matchup breakdowns for week one. Super excited to get this whole slate of games going on Saturday. I, I'm just... So jacked up and excited that we get a full slate of SEC football, and we are underway. Ten weeks of SEC on SEC football. Couldn't ask for anything better. Up next, our conversation with Peter Burns, SEC Network. We'll do some over and unders with him projecting the SEC season. A quick minute here for our friends at Built Bar. They are the best-tasting protein bar ever. I know a lot of those protein bars out there you get at health stores. They look good, and once you open them, they have that gross, chalky taste, and you end up taking a couple bites and throwing them away. That is not the case with Built Bar. They have got 18 amazing flavors, including six new ones. My favorite, the cookies and cream. It is so good, you don't even realize what you're eating is actually good for you. You can grab one after a workout, or look, if you're just looking to lose or maintain your weight, try to get away from some of those fast foods. This could be a great option for you if you're looking to go down that path. Built Bars are low in calories, low in sugar, high protein, and high fiber. And just head to BuiltBar.com. You want to use the promo code LOCKEDON. You will get $10 off your next order, but you have to use the promo code LOCKEDON. You get $10 off and you'll be on your way to eating better, feeling better as you get ready for this SEC football season at Built Bar. 
Com. Locked on SEC, rolling along here. Chris Gordy here with you and super excited to talk all things SEC football with this guy as we get ready. It is officially game, not just game week, but game weekend as tomorrow everything gets kicked off with a full slate of SEC games. Peter Burns from the SEC Network. Peter, I never thought we would get here, but here we are, the dawn of an SEC football weekend. How are you? Yeah, Gordy, I mean, tomorrow is going to be like Christmas. It's been like the seven-year offseason that we finally get college football. And you're right, man. I mean, the roller coaster ride. Like, imagine if it was the stock market of like, hey, are you going to play? Well, of course we're going to play. Well, then we're probably not going to play. And it's gone back and forth. And, and again, it's crazy that we sit here 24 hours before kickoff and we're sitting here thinking – all right, how many games will we have this weekend, or is it going to be kind of like some later notifications that some games got canceled? So uh, it is a 30 for 30 being written. It feels like every 30 minutes right now. (laughs) All right, I wanted to jump into it. Look, we could do the boring thing, and we preview the games, and Peter's going to pick this and that. And I figured we'd have a little fun with some over-and-unders because I know you've been a betting guy in the past, and and I just – I feel like this – this is tailored for you, right? Because with a 10-game season, everything changes, Peter. Like, we, we don't know what total numbers are going to look like at the end of this year because we're used to a normal full slate of games, but with 10 games, we don't know. So here we go. Off and running, Najee Harris. Give me an over-under 1,000 rushing yards. And keep in mind, he had 1,200 last year. With this being a 10-game season, 1,000 rushing yards, over-under. I feel like I go under on all of these just simply for the fact I'm like, hey, how often is, are you going to play those games, right? Like, are you going to be 100% healthy for every single one? And not just the COVID-19 and, like, the contact tracing protocols, but, like, hey, I mean, Najee, are they going to keep him fresh? And I think that's one of the things, too, like, with Nick Saban, they're going to try to continue to have a bunch of different running backs in the rotation. So, to me, I'm going to go under 1,000. It doesn't mean he has some big games, but um, give, me, give me the under for Najee under 1,000 this, this year. All right, here's a, here's a difficult one. Miles Brennan, 2,200 passing yards. Now, now, keep in mind, two seasons ago, Joe Burrow, before he went light years ahead last year with the ridiculous numbers, two seasons ago, Burrow threw for 2,800. So that's just that's right. kind of the barometer, but again, less games this year. Twenty two hundred for Miles Brennan over or under. Way over. I mean, I'm not that smart, Gordy, but I'm just going way over for the fact that you're talking about what two hundred and twenty yards passing per game. Yeah. Uh, you know, broken down over ten yards, ten ten the ten games. So that gives you that number. I go way over because it, it it's it's crazy to me. People just because that Jamar Chase is no longer on this team doesn't mean LSU doesn't have really <laughs> talented five you know star recruits like Kayshawn Booty and all those other kids um, you know uh, Racy McMath and Terrence Marshall like they're still solid I love this kid uh, Eric Gilbert the tight end who looks like damn Antonio Gates is an 18 year old like um, I, again they didn't throw out Insminger's playbook so give me the over on uh, on Miles Brennan I obviously he's not going to be Burrow but he's going to put up some damn big numbers for for this LSU offense still. It's a good point because I feel like everybody, at least nationally, is assuming, oh, LSU, Joe Brady's gone, Joe Burrow's gone, so they're just going to regress back to what we've known in years past. And I'm going, whoa, whoa, hold on. Steve Ensminger is still here. Last I checked, he was the guy calling the plays last year. So I'm with you. I still feel like their LSU's offense is going to score a lot of points this year. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at, too, I mean, you know, and Brady did call some of the third down calls, and, and but again, 
it wasn't a situation where they just tried to get – they're going to get rid of every single play they called last year and be like, well, we can't use this. And Scott Linehan spent time with the Dallas Cowboys. He's, he's solid as well. So, to me, I, I still think, um, I, you know, we're looking at closer to 3,000 than we are 2,000 yards passing for, uh, for, for Brennan this year. All right, we're going to get a little tougher here. Jonathan Grenard led the SEC nine-and-a-half sacks last year. Let's set the SEC leader in sacks this year. At seven, you going over or under? I'm gonna I'm gonna go over. The problem is I don't know who the hell it's going to be because I do think <laughs> it's a defensive minded season. I think with not having spring ball, I think you're going to see. Uh, and, and spring ball hurts not only on your timing, but it really hurts the coordination between offensive linemen as well too. Like it's really where they gel. They they kind of can finish each other's sentences by the end of practice uh, every day and. Them not having as normal of an off season, there's going to be somebody um, that that's going to get that number, and that's what I'm waiting to see is who that guy is. Now, it won't be Will Anderson, who's a freshman linebacker for Alabama, but as far as defensive minded guys, between him and Dylan Moses, I cannot wait to see what Alabama's linebacking core is going to look like this year. Because they say this Will Anderson kid is is just out of control, and to be a true freshman and to be a freshman starting for Nick Saban's uh, linebacker core. I've, that says he must be pretty damn good in practice. Yeah, I like the linebackers in the conference this year, man. You mentioned Dylan Moses. You got KJ Britt at Auburn. You know Nick Bolton at Missouri, probably their best defensive yeah. player. Monty Rice, George. I mean, like I think it's, this is a really deep linebacker class this year in the SEC. Nick Bolton's hilarious because he, um, whenever he was going to commit to Washington, and he decided not to go to Washington at last second. You know, someone had said, someone tweeted Nick Bolton at Missouri and said, listen, ah, he wasn't going to make it at, at Washington anyway. So he uses that tweet as his screensaver on his phone, uh, like his phone background, just to motivate him every day. So I think that's pretty cool. That's one of the reasons why he's been so damn successful over there uh, and now going to be playing for Eli Drinkwood. So I, shockingly, like, I think he's got a little pizzazz to him. He's, he's showed a little bit more uh, personality than I, I thought when he first got it here in the league. Yeah, my buddy who's a Mizzou fan said Kobe, uh, Kobe Whiteside is the guy to watch for the sack leader this year. It always feels, All like, right, a, there you go. Always feels like a Mizzou guy is always up there in sacks. All right, uh, let's make some predictions just for season numbers, Peter. Who leads the league in passing this year in the SEC? Uh, gosh, in passing, man, I would have loved to say – eventually it'll be Mike Leach or Elaine Kiffin offense. I still think it's going to be LSU and Miles Brennan. Wow. I still think that LSU is going to be a pass-happy team, uh, and I don't think that really changes. I think they saw they hit the, the mother load last year. So give me uh, give me LSU and the and the Tigers as being the pass-happy team this year. Yeah, that's that's a lot of people are jumping on the K.J. Costello thing. I just wonder how much time have they had to work with the Mike Leach air raid i have no like there's so many teams peter we have no idea what to expect like lane kiffin it could be a disaster it could be ridiculously good like we have no idea well and i i have never in full disclosure i i told, i said this on my radio show this morning i have never felt this unprepared going into a season because <laughs> traditionally you know we have spring practice to watch uh we've got sec media days where we can talk to the coaches we have more people at practice and this is more tight-lipped than anyone ever's ever been going into a year. So, um, you know, there are no wrong answers at this point. You know, luckily I'm still hopefully employed after this podcast, and I might be wrong. But I just, I mean, my thing on Mike Leach and those guys, I just don't know if they have the wide receivers yet. They may eventually get them to Starkville. I just don't know if they have talented wide receivers when you're going against 
guys like Derek Stingley and the rest of the talented, you know, cornerbacks here in this in this league. What about a leader in receiving yards? It's hard not to go Devontae Smith because he's such the big play guy at Alabama. He came back for a reason, could have went to the draft this past year. But I feel like Devontae's – we're going to look up at Devontae Smith. He's going to lead the league in, in receiving yards this year. I think he'll be solid. I, I, I'm actually in – you know, I'm kind of curious to see what's going to go on with Florida's receiving crew. You know, I mean, obviously they lose a lot of talent. Um, but, you know, between Kadarius Tony kind of being like a jack-of-all-trades, Copeland back, and they got this kid Justin Shorter, who's that the, the big-time five-star uh, transfer in, you know, I think, you know, I, I think that Dan Mullen's going to get Kyle Trask developed a little bit more. Um, so I, I think Florida is actually going to be one of those teams that might surprise people how much they throw it around the, the yard this year. Okay, do we have any upsets tomorrow, or does it go all chalk? Because I've seen some people making predictions. I know some people buying into the Kentucky at Auburn, but I, part of me feels like we may go chalk tomorrow. Uh, I'm, all, I'm all in on Kentucky. I think Kentucky wins tomorrow, honestly. Wow. I, I think the thing is, is you know, when I hang out with Gene Chizik and Chris Dory and those guys at McElroy, all those guys are a lot smarter about college football than I am. <laughs> they say, listen, college football, when it boils down to it, is brass tacks. It's about lines of scrimmage. Like, who's got the better line of scrimmage? And that's the team you traditionally go with. And, you know, for me, I think that Kentucky might have the best offensive line, if not in the SEC, maybe in the country. I think with Landon Young, those guys are incredible. I love Eddie Grand calling that offense. And secondary-wise, I think they're pretty good, too. And, you know, while Malzahn has a bunch of talented recruits, not having spring and losing most of your offensive line and most of your defensive line is going to hurt. So, I mean, again, I'll probably be completely wrong, but I think Wildcats um, pull off the shocker. And I think that, I mean, no doubt, the Tennessee-South Carolina game is the actual coin flip game um, to me. So I don't think any calling one of them is a big-time upset. But outside of that, I think it's pretty much all chalk. If somebody wins the Heisman from the SEC this year, who would be your pick? Um. Gosh, Kellen Mond, just simply because he's been there for so long. But again, but not having John Osborne is going to hurt. Um, I don't see Najee Harris. Just going back to the first question that we talked about, is you know just you know I, I don't think he's only going to be the bell cow for for Saban and, and Mac Jones down there in Tuscaloosa. I could see, I, I, believe it or not, I could see Miles Brennan shocking people and having a season. So give me, give me a quarterback. I tend to be a quarterback uh, thing this year. So give me mine or Brennan, and you guys can take the field. Peter, if, if LSU wins back-to-back Heisman's, I don't. We're gonna have to throw a party or something like that. Just seems like the ridiculousness that I never thought Dude, would happen in my life. How much lifetime. weird stuff, Gordy? How much weird stuff has happened in 2020? Like you can't tell me that it's out of the realm of possibility uh, just, at this point. Like just, nothing shocks me anymore. Just give Coach O a lifetime contract at that point. That's that's where we would be. Uh, all right, let, fill us in, Peter Burns, SEC Network. What does this weekend look like for? Are you happy to be back in the studio watching games and kind of getting to a little bit of normalcy again? Yeah, I was just I was talking to somebody, and I think what I've realized out of this, Gordy, a lot of people have done it as well too, is how much we are are driven and we're tethered to a, a sports schedule in our life. Like the fact that I hadn't had, you know, I've been watching football, but it's not SEC football, and the fact that you know I went six months not going into our studios, like it it hurt me, man. Like I was in some dark spots this off season, and I, I think collectively, like. We just get this pent-up energy. Like, we just cannot wait for football to be back, and it gives us something to get our mind off of all the real junk that's going on in the world right now. So uh, I can't wait, man. In fact, my, 
it's so funny. My wife's the same way. She's a big-time SEC and football fan as well. And our five-year anniversary is tomorrow. And I said, babe, and she goes, say no more. I go, oh, what do you mean? She's like, I got us a babysitter. I'm like, oh, my gosh, what are we going to do? She goes, we're watching football all day. And I was like, I love you, baby. Like, you just. Because she's, she's excited as I am about having the season. So um, that's, a, that's a hell of an anniversary gift I get from the wifey. Yeah, that is the best. Peter Burns, SEC Network. Uh, Peter, can't thank you enough for the time, man. Really appreciate it. Love seeing the pictures and the videos of the kids on social media. And, man, it seems like uh, your life's about to get a lot more busier with dad life and back-to-football life. Amen, brother. Hey, listen, I'm happy for it. I don't, I don't, I, I'm lucky enough like you. We're blessed to do this job for as long as we can. So uh, not a day that we work, we get a, we get a privilege of doing this. So uh, can't wait to be back on here on the pod soon. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Appreciate the time, man, so much. Thanks. Got it, bud. Peter Burns there of the SEC Network. Always fun to get started. It is a game weekend in the SEC, and Peter Burns is getting us ready for it. More on the SEC podcast after this. Locked on SEC podcast rolling on here on an SEC game weekend Friday. The first slate of SEC games happening tomorrow. Super excited for that. And joining us now is a guy who uh, I know is excited to see the Alabama Crimson Tide in action as he covers them. Senior recruiting reporter for BamaInsider.com, Andrew Bone, joins us now. Andrew, what's going on, man? Hey, how we doing today? It is the weekend of the start of SEC football, so we couldn't be doing better, Andrew. This is uh, exciting. <laughs> I know it's an exciting time for you. You've got a new book out called The Road to Bama that's coming out in the next handful of days, so super exciting time. I guess first off, just tell us a little bit about the book and uh, what made you want to write this. Yeah, you know, it's very exciting. Um, you know, I had an opportunity to uh, to write this book, uh, Triumph Books, uh, which is based out of Chicago. Uh, they reached out to me. Uh, it was about this time last year. Uh, it's probably a little bit before. You know, I would say it was late August, uh, early September. They had just um, published a book called The Road to Ann Arbor, and it was a book written by Tom Van Heron on uh, on Michigan uh, recruiting, and you know, it was a very you know, enlightening book, you know, stories about Tom Brady and uh, Desmond Howard and just many uh, former Michigan greats uh, and their recruiting journey and their life kind of growing up. And they did really well with it, and they decided that the next college football team that they wanted to uh, to cover was going to be the University of Alabama. So I was very fortunate uh, that they reached out to me about writing this book. I have been covering uh, recruiting uh, for the University of Alabama. Uh, this is my 18th uh, year. So I feel like I'm I'm pretty seasoned veteran uh, in in our industry here uh, here in Alabama, and uh, I was very fortunate to to have an opportunity to write this book. And you know, I really didn't know how to begin. Um, you know, I thought that they really wanted me to write about uh, all the recruits that I had covered uh, throughout all my years, uh, from the Mike Shuley years to the Nick Saban years. But you know. Their point of view was they really wanted to get recruiting stories that not many people knew about. Um, you know, a lot of the old-school generation guys, um, you know, the Bear Bryant era guys, all the way up through the Nick Saban era. And uh, you know, I was very fortunate to speak with just uh, so many greats that have played in Tuscaloosa uh, for the University of Alabama, from, from Johnny Musso to Cornelius Bennett um, to David Palmer, 
uh, D'Amico Ryans, uh, Chris Samuels, um, uh, Tua Tagovailoa, um, also, uh, you know, guys like Rashawn Evans and Trent Richardson and, and TJ Yeldon. There were just so many, um, you know, intriguing recruiting stories throughout the entire book, and uh, it was very fun to you know, speak to all of those guys, talk to parents, talk to coaches, talk to uh, you know, even recruiters, uh, guys that uh, recruited these guys. You know, whether it was to Alabama or maybe maybe it was to Georgia or maybe it was to Auburn, and uh, you know, getting their perspective on on you know why they ended up you know missing out on on these recruits. Yeah, you can uh, pre-order your copy of the book, triumphbooks.com, or wherever you get your books. It'll be out on Tuesday, but you can pre-order it right now and get it uh, this upcoming week. I'm always intrigued, Andrew, at the the guys that you miss out on. Is Was there a big-name guy or two, maybe even in just recent years or, or back in the day, that Alabama was close to getting and didn't end up getting? I'm, just, I'm always intrigued on the big fish that gets away. And covering you know, high school football recruiting for the last 18 years, uh, there were certainly some big names that Alabama missed out on. One, one in particular guy that uh, you know, they had committed uh, was Keenan Allen, star wide receiver for the San Diego Chargers. Keenan Allen had committed to Alabama very early in his recruitment, was very solid uh, with the Crimson Tide throughout his entire recruitment. Well, Turner Gill was the head coach at Buffalo. Well, Turner Gill ends up getting the head coaching job at Kansas. Well, the quarterback for Buffalo at the time was Keenan Allen's half-brother. And you know, stay with me here. Keenan was a senior in high school, and his half-brother ended up getting an opportunity to play college football at Cal. Now, trust me, they, they certainly reached out to see if Alabama was interested in potentially putting his, uh, his brother on scholarship. They ended up, uh, you know, not doing that, and ultimately it led to uh, to Keenan Allen uh, going with his half brother and going to Cal instead of Alabama. Now this is a kid from North Carolina uh, originally, so going all the way across the country was uh, you know was a little bit of a surprise. And early on in his recruitment, he was considered more as a safety. Um, a lot of schools uh, recruited him as a safety rather than a wide receiver, but obviously his career worked out, um, and and he's been out in California ever since. <laughs> to Andrew Bone, senior recruiting reporter, BamaInsider.com, and of course the uh, the new book, The Road to Bama. Uh, curious your perspective, Andrew, been covering recruiting for so long. What's been the pluses and minuses with recruiting during this time for coaches uh, in this global pandemic period? What, what's been the positives and negatives in this time? Well, I think from a negative perspective, it's probably more negatives than positives. Uh, you know, I think just you know not being really t- able to get kids on campus, uh, you know, throughout the spring, throughout the summer, and uh, you know, just recently the the NCAA uh, extended the recruiting dead period uh, throughout the fall until January the first. So no kids are going to be uh, on college campuses this fall at all, um, and they're not going to be taking official visits uh, in December like we usually uh, you know see happen, and you know, kids making you know decisions during the early signing period um you know a lot of these kids are able to uh uh you know to take visits during the fall and spring and summer and now they're not able to do that so i think that's you know really been the you know kind of the biggest negative uh, and not being able to evaluate kids um you know 
Alabama, you know, Georgia, LSU, you know, the top schools in the program, you know, they send out a lot of scholarship offers to a lot of elite players, but, you know, they still want to see those elite players on campus. They want to evaluate them. You know, they want to make sure that, you know, these are the kids that uh, that can help their, their program here in the future. And uh, in terms of positive, I think the relationships that these uh, recruiting coaches and the head coaches have built, you know, kind of throughout the year, um, you know, spending more and more time with them on the phone via FaceTime, via Zoom calls. Um, you know, Nick Saban, he was never one of these guys who really did many, you know, FaceTime or Skype interviews or anything like that. And, you know, he probably did, I would say, one or two a year. Uh, he has probably done, you know, ten times uh, as many FaceTime calls with, with different recruits uh, throughout this year than ever before. And I am assume that's probably been the case with a lot of these programs because they're not – being able to get these kids on campus and see them in person, sit down uh, in their office and, and talk to them so they're having to do it uh, via FaceTime. But uh, I think a lot of relationships, regardless of, uh, of these guys being on campus, I think a lot of these relationships have you know, really become very strong. Andrew, we're getting ready for week one of SEC action. Anything particular you'd like to see from Alabama in their game against Mizzou? The Tua era is over, and the Mac Jones era is uh, is beginning. So, uh, so there's going to be a lot of eyes on him. Um, you know, obviously, uh, playing against Missouri on the road, going to kind of see how you know fast Alabama kind of uh, jumps out on them. Are they going to be a little rusty from uh, you know COVID nineteen and, and you know not playing you know right when the season was supposed to begin? Uh, you know, and I think the offense is going to be just fine. I mean, they returned a lot of offensive stars. Uh, you know, led by Devontae Smith and Najee Harris and Jalen Waddell and, you know, pretty much the entire offensive line, probably the best offensive, one of the best offensive lines in college football. Um, you know, I think a lot of people, though, are, are more concerned about the defense than the offense because, you know, Alabama's defense last year suffered a lot of early season-ending injuries. A lot of those guys are back. Uh, Dylan Moses, LeBron Ray, Joshua McMillan. Um, you know, Alabama also lost a few you know, defensive stars to the NFL. So how are they going to really bounce back? I think, you know, just from listening to Coach Saban throughout the press conferences and, you know, getting, you know, all the all the information from the practices and everything, it seems like Coach Saban and Pete Golding, the defensive coordinator, are really excited about this unit that they have. And I think they're, you know, they've got, you know, some depth there as well, but, but a lot of talent. I think they're really excited about uh, putting this product on the field as compared to last year's team. All right, Andrew is going to help us out. We are going to pick our game of the week, this being a Friday, going into a game weekend. We're going to do this every Friday. There are really only two good ones that could be really close this weekend. Andrew, you will go first. Your game of the week. Hang on. Game of the week. All right, what do you got? What's your game of the week in the SEC, Andrew? Well, I... I'm going to go out on a limb and say it's going to be Auburn and Kentucky. Um, you know, I certainly think that uh, you know, there's a lot of hype around this Auburn football team this year, but uh, but Kentucky has a lot of talent. I, I think they can really give Auburn a scare on uh, on Saturday morning. And it's an early game. It's an early kickoff at 11 a.m. So uh, I, I think Kentucky's got a lot of talent, and it's going to be a, it's going to be a tight tight game throughout. I'm with you. That line was ten and a half to start the week. It's now down to just seven and a half. Everyone is jumping on Kentucky. Veteran O line, Terry Wilson back at quarterback. I'm gonna say give me Kentucky in the points, but I think Auburn pulls it out either by a field goal or a touchdown. I'm gonna go Auburn 31-24 and Gus Malzahn starts the season one and zero. That's Andrew's pick. My pick for game of the week. Game of the week. 
Look, Vegas says Tennessee is favored by three and a half points on the road. A big game for both teams to start week one with Tennessee at South Carolina. I'm buying new quarterback Colin Hill from Colorado State. Mike Bobo calling the plays. I think they impress. I think they give Tennessee's secondary some problems. Tennessee got caught napping the first two weeks of last season. They lost to Georgia State and BYU in back-to-back weeks. I think it's close, but a smarter, wiser Jared Garantano prevails and a balanced running attack with Ty Chandler and Eric Gray. The Vols survive a week one scare at Williams-Brice Stadium 27-24. What do you think? Yeah, absolutely. I think it could be a uh, yeah, that can be a great game. Yeah, I'm just really interested to see. You know, it's going to be interesting, kind of you know, throughout the entire SEC. You know, how are you know teams going to uh, you know play in their first game? A lot of people are going to be rusty, so that you know there could be a you know there could be a few scares uh, you know throughout the SEC. Yeah, if you haven't been paying attention to what happened with the Big Twelve through the first two weeks, then I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> absolutely, the SEC better be ready. Andrew Bone, senior recru- recruiting reporter for BamaInsider.com. And the new book, The Road to Bama, comes out in the next couple of days. One more time, Andrew, let uh, folks know where they can get it. Yeah, you can pre-order a copy of The Road to Bama on Amazon, Books a Million, uh, Barnes & Noble, uh, all of those websites, any retail uh, book website. But, uh, you know, really excited about it. Jay Barker, uh, former Alabama quarterback, wrote the forward. And you know, really excited about uh, the release of it on Tuesday. Really excited to read it, Andrew. Thanks so much for the time. I really appreciate it. Thank you, very, thank you very much, Chris. Have a great weekend. All right, Andrew Bone here on the Locked On SEC podcast. That is just about going to do it for this edition of the Locked On SEC podcast. Man, it is here. It is upon us. Week one of the SEC. So excited. Next time we talk, we'll be reacting to a full weekend slate of SEC games. You want to make sure you subscribe to us five days a week for the Locked On SEC podcast. And tune in Monday. We'll have full reaction to the full slate of games from Saturday. And also... Special guest Brandon Boykin will be joining us, the former Georgia DB, who is now part of the Thinking Out Loud crew on SEC Network. Real excited to talk with him coming up on Monday. You don't want to miss it. Everybody have a good, safe weekend. Let's crack open some beers and watch some SEC football. Y'all have fun.